Welcome to the Endurance Horse Podcast, where endurance riders from all across the globe gather, sharing their stories, goals, and progress as they train for and compete in endurance events at every level. So kick off your shoes, pull up a chair, and listen as we gather around the virtual campfire and listen to friends from across the world. Hello, and welcome to episode 54 of Endurance Horse Podcast. Today, we talk with endurance rider and author, Lori Olson. Lori shares about how she got into horses and her 2021 Tevis completion with her horse, Fargo. This was Lori's fourth Tevis completion and Fargo's first 100-mile ride. They finished 27th. Lori has logged over 14,000 miles in competition and shares some tips on how to step up from shorter rides to 100-mile rides. Without further ado, I bring to you episode 54 of Endurance Horse Podcast. So today on Endurance Horse Podcast, we're talking to Lori Olson, who finished the 2021 Tevis with her horse, Fargo. Good morning, Lori. How are you today? I'm doing great. The question I love to hear from everybody, and I get a lot of feedback. People love to hear the answers. How did you get into horses? Oh, my gosh. That goes back. (laughs) It does. (laughs) A long way. I was into horses before I have memory of being into horses, because my mom would tell me when I was one and a half... We lived across the street from a horse in an apartment building, and if she turned her back on me, I was over there. I wanted to be with that horse all the time, and it just (laughs) kind of grew from there, longer than I can even remember. So what were your first time where you got to actually get to work with a horse and ride it? I think when I was probably around 9 or 10, I had a babysitter that had a horse, and she took care of others, so um, like in the summer... I'd be with her all day, my sister and I, and we would help her feed and groom and ride and (laughs) just spent all day with the horses. And then a few years later, my parents bought us a horse and I've never, when I was 11, and I haven't been without since. That's awesome. So how did you find endurance? Uh, Well, I was still a junior. It was the late 70s. And we heard about this. I heard about a ride. I lived in Southern California at the time. And I heard about a ride in Norco called the Ferenson Ride. And I thought, well, I ride a lot. I could do 25 miles. And so I went there. And this was even before juniors had to have sponsors or helmet. And I did a 25-mile ride and thought I would die. <laughs> but I also thought it was great. And I had to do it again. <laughs> so it was 1978, my first 25-mile ride as a junior, and I did about four that year, and then and, um, I took some time off because my horse wasn't really adequate for that for doing it, but then in 83, I started doing 50s. What is it about the sport that kept you going with it? The time you get to spend with your, your partner, with your horse, and the wonderful um, trails and scenery you get to see. I just love spending time in the saddle. And the people you meet have the same mindset, at least most of them. And it's just a joy to be out there on the trail and to see those spectacular countryside that we get to see. And I just love all of that. Um, sometimes I'm competitive. Sometimes I'm not. Both of it, all of it's great. I know. Just being out there is a win, right? Being out oh, there with I your horse. I mean, just, and, and some people don't like to ride by themselves. And I do. And I totally enjoy having company on mm-hmm. the trail too but whether it be at a ride or at home I'm okay riding stretches you know just me and my horse because it's just that partnership you have mm-hmm. I do feel like uh if I don't get to ride for a while and then I 
and I get out there with my horse and then I just feel like this is me. You know what I mean? Like feel connected. I feel centered. And I can't think of anything else in yeah. my life that, that does that for me. Just being out there in nature with my horse, I feel this is who I am. Mm-hmm. This It's therapeutic. That's why there's so many equine therapy programs that are so successful because horses are therapeutic and we are so fortunate to have our own that we could spend hours and hours and hours mm-hmm. and hours on the trail with <laughs> and just like you're saying, get that connection, get that grounding, mm-hmm. just be at one with this animal that's in the present and not thinking about, you know, bad choices in the past or what you have planned in the future. They, they are very present. When did 100 mile distances come into your radar? And then more specifically, when did Tevis become a goal of yours? Um, I did my first 100 mile ride in 1988 and it was the Swanton Pacific. And I'd never ridden over 50 miles. So I had really no concept. Well, it's like doing 250s. No big deal, right? Oh my God, it's a big deal. Um, Swanton Pacific is a ride that was magical. And it stopped quite a few years ago because the ride managers in the property areas just couldn't continue. But that ride was so hard for me because I did ride by myself later, late in the day, and I didn't know what I was doing out there. Mm. But then, you know, it all worked out really well, and when I came across that finish line, it was just like just this magical moment. Wow. And uh, it's hard to describe. It was just I, such a feeling of accomplishment. My mm. horse did great. We actually top 10 and came and got best condition with that first 100. <laughs> wow. That is amazing. Yeah. I, I was just floored. And wow, it was, it was, it was a magical time. And um, Tevis came quite a few years later. And my first experience was Tevis was really, really bad. And, and so I wasn't anxious to go back. And, mm-hmm. uh, but I did. I did. This, this weekend, I, I have my, my fourth finish, four out of six. So not, not a bad completion rate. <laughs> I would say that's, um, that's an excellent completion rate. Anything over 50% of Tevis is, a, is great. I've completed 2,400-mile rides, but only four Tevises. So there's just so many other wonderful rides to go to that Tevis is out there, and it's a challenge of a lifetime, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to do other rides, too. Could you tell me a little bit about Fargo? Uh, Fargo, his, his name is Rush Creek Fargo. He was purchased by a friend of mine at the Rush Creek dispersal sale when he was one year old. And he is now 10, so that dispersal sale has been nine years wow. ago. And she bought him sight unseen with the the help and advice of Lynn Glazer, the photographer. And I tell Lynn all the time, thank you for picking out Fargo for Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd been riding him about three years. And last year, Kathy said she wanted to sell him. And we, we worked it out that, that I was able to buy him. So he's with me. I, and I'm really, really happy about that. He is just such a kind, gentle soul. And he's just got all the athletic ability in the world. If I, I just need to get a little more motivation on him because he's so laid back, <laughs> which is Good. really, really nice because he doesn't wear me out. Mm-hmm on the trail because he's just so sweet and spectacular heart rate, legs like tree trunks, big old feet, mm. big healthy feet. And he's just this, just a sweet, kind horse. And we have, um, let's see, after this weekend, he has 850 miles, I believe. So he's still very young in the sport. Mm-hmm. It's a really beautiful. pleasure to be, be with. The beautiful horse. Thank so- you. I think he's very handsome. He is. is, Yes, handsome. He is a handsome guy. This is arguably one of the toughest events in our country. And I know the horse is the one trucking down the trail. But I wanted to ask, what do you do personally to prepare yourself for Tevis? To be up 
for over 24 hours and out there competing on some of the toughest terrain there is? Well, of course, there's the riding that is part of the conditioning. I also uh, hike and I'll hike. Generally, I'll take, I have three horses. One is retired, one Fargo, and I have a youngster. So I hike, I just take one of them hiking with me and I try to do a few times a week just go hiking. That's definitely been helpful. I'm a pretty active person anyway, Mm -hmm. so I'm always running around doing something. Mostly the podcast is a story podcast where I like to get to know the riders that are in the sport better, but sometimes our listeners, they want to know a few nuts and bolts, and I promised them that I would ask. As far as taking care of yourself on the trail, maybe keeping your electrolytes up, or what do you eat or do when you're out there to keep yourself going? I have electrolyte mix, a very low sugar electrolyte mix that I put into my water bottle bottles and I take electrolyte pills, carried them with me. And of course at all the vet stops I was filling my bottle and and taking those electrolyte pills. And at some of the stops they even had some electrolyte um, drinks, which was helpful. It's been a really important factor for me is staying hydrated and and also the middle of the ride where it's so hot, I need to stay cool. Mm. And I wear one of those um, cooling vests that you dunk in the water and I was really good about keeping that vest wet. Between Robinson and Forest Hill, that was the only time I wore the vest because that's the only hot stretch. Mm-hmm. That if it was a tank on the a water tank, they just placed in the on the trail for us. I just dunk my vest and put it back on. Mm-hmm. Really helped a lot because the last ride I did a month ago was a 75 and it was like 100 degrees and my vest got dry and I had some pretty bad problems with the heat. But Travis, this year, this this last weekend, I I did all right. My hydration and uh, staying cool. Wasn't as good at eating on the trail, but I did eat at all the vet checks. I just get so focused on the trail. I remember Mm -hmm. to drink, but I just didn't eat much on the trail. What is advice that you would give to somebody who might be riding lower levels of this sport right now, like LDs or 50s? Could you give them some pointers to work up to possibly doing 100? Would it be maybe to double up? riding back-to-back events, or what would be your best piece of advice for somebody who would like to step up to 100? Well, I think I would tell them to just keep on riding and not get into the race mentality, mm-hmm. because if you start racing the, 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 the shorter distances, first of all, you're not training to do a a longer distance, you're mm-hmm. training to do a fast, short distance, mm-hmm. and you're also messing with the horse's head because they're going to understand that we get out here and we go fast. And you go fast on 100, you're not going to finish. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're, you know, Jeremy Top. Reynolds, then yeah. you can do that. <laughs> and to talk to a lot of people, not just people who who have won rides, because it's not about the speed when you're just starting out. Talk to people who have done um, Tevis or longer distances that have finished in all the different spots, in the mm-hmm. front, in the middle, in the back, and just talk to them about it and, and get as much information as you can from knowledgeable people. Be careful of your sources. The people who are out there that maybe they live in the Midwest or the East Coast, and they've already done some hundreds, but the Tevis is a dream for them to just finish. But they might not have the training conditions, you know, that match that mountain. So if there was an experienced 100-mile rider that wanted to do the Tevis Cup, what would be some planning that you think that they should do well, I am from California, and I've always lived here, so I've always had mountains. And mm-hmm. if you live in the, the Midwest where you don't have the mountains, 
I'm not really sure because I've never experienced, you know, yeah. except for traveling to find a ride that has mountains or a conditioning spot. And I don't know if that would be something that's that's feasible or not. So I spoke to another rider um, prior to you and her advice was to find the hill that you can get to and do slow hill work. Does that sort of match some of the training that you do, um, that hills are an integral part of your training? They absolutely are. And it's not about speed up those hills either. It's you, you have to be able to not just trot or canter up a hill. You have to be able to, horse has to be able to march up a hill. And I did a lot of practicing with that Fargo um, because of that first canyon is very steep and long, super hard. How long is that canyon? Last Chance is at 50 miles and Deadwood's at 55 miles. And there's about a mile on either. The, the canyon's probably only three miles mm-hmm. down and then up which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's very steep. So I was on foot going down, and then we just, I got on, and we, he marched up the hill, and I was very proud of him. Hmm. We, and we had, we had, I found some very steep hills around here, and we just walked up. I'm very proud of him. People are listening, and maybe they're riding 25s or 50s right now, and their goal is to get to, to a ride like Tavis. It is not necessarily that you're going to be, like you said, charging up the hills. You finished 27th. You did excellent, you know, out of 133 or 140. I've seen two different numbers. Yeah. Who rode. But I mean, you're in the top percent there and you're saying you don't have to go charging up these hills, but you can just teach them to walk up the hills and just keep that stamina building and building. Because even for walkers and runners, and you said you hike, nothing gets your heart rate up quite like a hill. <laughs> so uh, I know it, you know, and and I learned this the hard this advice I'm giving the hard way. My first Tevis completion was on my wonderful horse Flame, who I still have. He's 30 years old. Wow. And I was just chugging along, doing great. I was riding with Dr. Nancy Elliott and we were just cruising along and we came to that first canyon and we started to go up and my horse stopped. And I tried to get off and I couldn't walk. And I tried to get on, and I couldn't. He couldn't walk. Well, Nancy, she had just slid off her horse and grabbed his tail, and I didn't see her again until Sunday morning. She finished in the top twenty. She told me afterwards. She goes, "What happened?" I, I said, "We got to that canyon. We just couldn't go. It was so hard." And she goes, "Well, you need to practice just hiking, mm. walking." I'm going, "Oh my gosh! Nobody told me that." I mean, we did make it to the top. It was, it was a long climb up because we had such a difficult time and since then you walk up you learn to practice walking up those canyons walking mm-hmm. up hills because I practiced trotting and cantering he didn't have the muscles to do mm-hmm. a walk that's interesting um I listened to another podcast that's in the midwest that's on ultra runners and it's called the dirt podcast and so you know I love podcasts that's why I have one but when I'm driving <laughs> I, I just love listening to them but you hear all these ultra runners and, you know, the ones that are really out there, I mean, for hundreds of miles or a hundred miles, they, they all say, walk the hills, walk the hills, you know, and, um, and she jokes, uh, it's Michelle Hartwig and she, she jokes on her podcast all the time when that topic comes up, walk the hills. And I think, well, you know, they might be onto something there comparing that with what you're saying. You just don't know until you experience it or you are told by someone who has experienced. I'm telling you, 
learn to walk the hills. The small hills we have around here, the horses can sometimes be like, oh, let's just go. And, you know, when you try to get them to walk, they don't they don't want to. But I think that's a good point of advice, especially we have a lot of listeners in the Midwest. I think that's great advice just to learn to slow it down and, and walk up them. Mm-hmm. And you could absolutely trade on trotting and cantering up hills. But mm-hmm. I mean, there are some hills like that I have at, in, locally for me that you're just not going to. Mm-hmm. trot and canter up. You're going to walk up those hills. It's so steep, mm-hmm. steep and long, and, but which is perfect for just the variety of conditioning I like to do. So mixing it up would be good then. You walk some hills, you trot something else, you canter mm-hmm. something else, you go walk another hill. You mix it up. Mix I it like up. to mix it up. Exactly. And you don't want to over fatigue one, one set of muscles either. Yeah. So Lori, my parting yeah. thoughts are any tips on and how was it for you riding in the dark? And also I hear that there is magic out there on the Tevis Trail. Did you get to experience some of that this year? Was there a particularly beautiful moment for you? You know, bits and pieces were wonderful and bits and pieces were not so wonderful. Magical. Tennis to me isn't magical. Like to me, it's more of an adventure, a very, very challenging adventure. You know, crossing the river at night was pretty cool. I always love that because they have it lit up with glow bars and just to show you exactly where to go. And even though they have, they slow the flow down at the dam for the ride, mm. it's still, I'm sitting on a 15-2 hand horse and I'm wet in water to my knees. Um, that was pretty cool. And, you know, throughout the day, I had different riding buddies and part of it, I was by myself. And I just, I just really enjoy all the different bits and pieces. It's hard to pick one part that was extra special. I was really proud of them going through Granite Chief. That's so dangerous. The first canyon, which is so incredibly hard, and he was he was a star. Loved coming into coming into Forest Hill strong and leaving pretty strong too after a nice rest. Fargo's first hundred mile ride. Was it? Yeah, it wasn't the plan to start him at Tevis, but with COVID and fires and smoke, um, this is what we got. He did it. So what do you think of him as a 100-mile horse in the future? Do you think that this was his cup of tea? This is something he'd like to do again? He got pretty hungry and thought it was really bad that we left these vet checks with all the wonderful food. <laughs> so he was sad um, leaving the vet checks. I, I think that we're going to do Virginia City in September. Mm-hmm. He's going to, you know, it's two months away. And it's it's very hard, but not as hard. So I'm hoping that um, he'll think it's much easier the next time we do 100 because it's not Tevis. He was wonderful out there, but he did get sad. Yeah. Just leave it, sad leaving the vet checks. It was it was really funny. I just had to laugh at him. Like, Come on, buddy, buddy. We got to keep going. And meanwhile, he's like checking his mileage timer. Like, I think we're there, <laughs> Lori. You know, like, I think we're done now. <laughs> because he'd never gone. He's done 275s, but he'd mm-hmm. never done more than that and uh you know he was hungry and you know he should be hungry Mm -hmm. but he was he was pretty cute he was pretty cute he was a typical to me a typical mentally young 100 mile horse we'll get a little maturity and see how it goes and i haven't yet ridden him on a multi-day and i want to do that with him too so there's just so much to do out there in the endurance world there is and i want to thank you for your time and sharing your experience with the listeners of the podcast you know it's it, the purpose of the endurance wars podcast is to get people to learn about endurance it, it is it's a whole different whole different world out there than the other disciplines and i just i just have to make one more comment about mm-hmm. the volunteers at tevis yes they are unbelievable 
unbelievable volunteers and hundreds of them. At every vet check that you don't have a crew, which is most of them, they are right there taking care of your horse, taking care of you. Got one holding a mushy bucket for Fargo and two of them are sponging them on the hot dops and um, I'm sitting, getting to sit down and they're offering me more food that I could possibly eat and <laughs> drink. And they just took such wonderful care of us. I just so appreciate every one of them. I heard that at Forest Hill, when you ride in there, that was a quite an amazing experience also. It, it, yeah, it's pretty fun. To, they're cheering for you along Bath Road. That's more of the, the ride spectators and crews. But then after the vet check, you go through the town and there's just people sitting on their front porches having... <laughs> barbecues and and cheering you on and there's this I guess restaurant bar where everybody's kind of on an upper level and it's always packed and for Tevis and you know they're always cheering you on and it's it's pretty nice to have that kind of that support really keeps you motivated and going that's amazing well again thank you Lori I'm super impressed with you finishing 27th having done four completions in Tevis and also with Fargo This is his first 100. That is so impressive. You guys are quite an amazing team. And I want to thank you for sharing your experience with the listeners of the podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you offering. And have a great time at Virginia City. Thank you so much. We enjoyed having you along for the ride. Endurance Horse Podcast is where you get to share your adventures of riding good horses through beautiful country. Many stresses in life are washed away by a good gallop, a steady trot, or by simply saddling up your favourite horse for an easy ride. Remember, every mile a memory. To share your story on Endurance Horse Podcast, send an email to endurancehorsepodcast at gmail.com.